Hey, hey, welcome to it. Friday evening is here just before you escape for the weekend. Time to make it a little bit smarter here in the Disability Law Show. John Schools, as always, here ready to go. And the brains of the operations, Savannah Tamark, and courtesy of Semfiru Tamark and LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country. He's got the knowledge. We are talking about disability law, and we're going to cover three myths of motor vehicle accidents. These are super important, regardless of the road conditions. You've got to know this stuff. But uh, some reach-out information here, toll-free anytime on your own time one 821 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca or simply disabilityrights.ca we'll take you to the uh, the website right away okay before we get to our main topic and some more email pal let's get to the uh, the week that was event what do you got cooking Hey, John, let me tell you about an interesting case. I had a lady uh, call me this week. Uh, she's 45 years old. Uh, she's a single mother of two small kids under 10. And uh, she was a pedestrian that was hit by a car about three weeks ago, just outside of Toronto, north of Toronto. And, uh, you know, she it was it was a hard hit. Uh, the guy was texting the driver, a young guy. Um, and so he didn't pay attention. She suffered two broken ribs, a concussion, facial last Lacerations. Uh, she was taken to hospital. He was charged by the police. Uh, so that's where we stand. And uh, here's the thing. She worked for two companies at the time. She was a PSW, a personal support worker, part-time, and she was a part-time substitute school teacher. And because of these injuries, she's been off work for both uh, both jobs. And again, remember, she's a single mother, so she's the bread earner in the family. Mm-hmm. She's still having tremendous pains. She has focus, concentration issues. Obviously, she has issues with her ribs. Uh, I cracked my ribs during uh, some skiing with my son just a few months back. Remember I told you? That's so, right. I, you know, I didn't break them, but I can relate to the fact that it is incredibly painful and really limiting in terms of what you can do. And it takes time to heal, especially when they're broken. When Because they're, you can't, there's no way to fix the broken ribs, you know, externally. You just have to give it time. So it's a, it's a big problem. She lives in an apartment, uh, you know, with her two kids. And she's now very concerned about being able to pay her rent. Uh, her parents are helping her out financially. And her mother who's in her late 60s, is now helping her with the kids. She comes in every day, and she helps them, takes them to school, etc. Now, this lady is going to be doing some rehab. She's already started rehab. Uh, her doctors are telling her what she needs to do, etc. But she doesn't know, and the doctors don't actually know at this point, when she'll be able to go back to work, either both jobs or just one. Um, she also has access through uh, through the schoolwork that she does uh, to long-term disability if, in fact, her inability to work continues on uh, in, in the future. Um, the, but here's the problem. When I spoke with her, she expressed concern about the long-term disability, being able to apply for it, because she has friends, um, both who are PSWs as well as who are school teachers, who have told her that they've had issues in the past. And some of her friends who are school teachers told her that when they they had to go on LTD and they were rejected by the insurance company, their union didn't do anything about it. And so they ended up just not getting LTD. When, you know, of course I told her, you know, we deal with this kind of stuff all the time. We help people who are injured get the compensation they deserve, but we also help people who are denied long-term disability. We go after insurance companies, especially, you know, when you have a union that doesn't do anything or has no expertise in the area. And most unions don't deal with long-term disability claims. They just don't have expertise in LTD. 
So the point is, she called me because her mother actually listens to the show, and she told her, you know, give Sivan a call, uh, speak with him. It's free. It doesn't cost anything, and he'll tell you what you can and cannot do. And so she did that. So we were on the phone for about an hour and a half. She had a lot of questions. I could I could hear the pain in her voice. I mean, she really is not doing well. Um, and, and so she's concerned, number one, what to do with the fact that she's injured the way she is, number two, with the fact that she can't work, and number three, what happens if she has to apply for long-term disability and she gets rejected? So we're dealing here, John, as, as you can already tell, with two types of legal claims. And of course, as a former insurance lawyer myself, having worked for insurance companies in the past, I can really speak, I think, from both sides, from a defense standpoint, but also from a claimant standpoint. And so here's what I told her. I said, let's deal with the car accident first. You were a pedestrian. It was not your fault that you got struck by a car. Uh, you didn't see the car coming. The driver was charged. He was texting. So clearly he's at fault. So the question now becomes, what kind of benefits are you entitled to under you know, the, the automobile legislation, the, sort of the automobile insurance? And what I told her is that, first of all, she's entitled to accident benefits from her own insurance company. If she has automobile insurance, even though she was not driving at a time, she's entitled to accident benefits. If she doesn't have automobile insurance, because you have pedestrians out there, people who don't have don't drive a car, they have no insurance. Well, if you're struck by a car as a pedestrian, the insurance company of the car that hits you has to pay you accident benefits. What are accident benefits? Accident benefits are things like benefits for medical and rehabilitation. For example, um, in her case, because she broke some ribs, she has a concussion, she'll be entitled up to $65,000 of coverage for medical and rehab, chiropractic, massage, uh, physiotherapy, all, all you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Things that otherwise she would not have covered through benefits at work. Okay. Through accident benefits, she'd be entitled to that. She'd also be entitled to income replacement benefits. So excluding the first seven days, the first week, if you cannot work as a result of being in a car accident, you're entitled to income replacement benefits. And typically, it's up to $400 per week. There's a formula the insurance companies use to determine the amount, but it's usually up to 400 bucks a week. Again, not necessarily what you were earning before the accident or what sure. this lady was earning, but you know, certainly it's a benefit. In addition to that, there are other benefits as well, but let me move on to something else here. If her injuries are long-term and she's going to have issues with working or issues with just living you know, daily, uh, doing her activities of daily living for a prolonged period of time, she's potentially entitled to compensation from that driver or his insurance company again. Right. Things like pain and suffering, things like income loss in the future if she cannot earn the same money she did before the accident into the future? Uh, what if she needs more extensive uh, medical and rehabilitation costs? What if she needs modifications to her home? Some people who are injured because of a car accident, you know, they need to now be in a separate home, like in a new home that takes care of them, or they need to modify their home to account for their limitations and impairments. Who's going to pay for all that? Well, you can go after the driver that hits you. Their insurance company is going to have to pay. So she has two claims here. One, accident benefits, and one is the claim called a tort claim, which is pain and suffering and other types of benefits. So that's the car accident. On the LTD front, because John, I know we have a lot of people who have emailed us, so I don't want to take too much time, but on the LTD front, here's what I would say to anyone concerned with long-term disability in terms of applying for insurance and being denied or being jerked around, you know, jerked around by insurance companies. We deal with those kinds of issues all the time. 
We help people deal with their insurance companies when you are denied unfairly or cut off long-term disability benefits. We help people navigate long-term disability policies. If, if you are on LTD and the insurance company says you got to do this or that and you're not comfortable with that, you can give us a call. Again, costs nothing to speak with any of us, myself, any of our lawyers, any of our team members. We can help you with your injury claim. We can help you with your long-term disability claim. And what I tell people out there, John, is at least get the information you need. There's no obligation. You call us, you get the information you need. You want to have us help you? No problem. We can help you. You don't want to have us help you? You didn't lose anything. Yeah. You got the information yeah. you need. It cost you nothing, but now you're empowered. So this lady now knows what her options are. She's probably going to have us help her with the car accident claim because it seems like she has significant injuries and she's going to have losses that she's going to have to recoup from that insurance company of the driver that hit her. But that's what I want to tell people. And by the way, John, a lot of people are listening to the show right now, and they have not necessarily been in an accident recently, but they know someone who may need help. They know somebody who maybe has had issues or is having issues with their long-term disability insurance company. Please tell those people to give us a call or to email us or to go to the My Disability Questions website, which you're going to talk about, John, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. People need to know they can reach out to us and they'll get information for free. And uh, as Savan mentioned, you can always reach out. It's mydisabilityquestions.com. It's free. It's anonymous. It's searchable. So maybe your questions come up. It'll save you a bit of time, right? If not, always reach out by phone. And uh, have that conversation. That might be your first uh, first route, by the way. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Want to get into our first of three myths of motor vehicle accidents before we uh, take a short break here, Savan. Number one, number one myth: If I am assessed at fault for the accident, even one percent, then I do not get compensation. True or false? It, it is false. It is yeah. false. And, and it's important to to uh, talk about this because. I've actually had another gentleman call me earlier this week who said that the only reason he called me is because he figured he had nothing to lose, which he's right, right? Because again, you can talk to us for free. Uh, But his friend told him that because he may be a little bit at fault for an accident, it was a left-hand turn type situation where, you know, both drivers are pointing fingers at each other, then his friend said, you know, don't bother even asking for compensation, even though he suffered pretty serious injuries. And I said, no, that's not the way it works. It's not. I'll give you an example. I had a case uh, years ago uh, with a minor child that was struck by a car. The damages were significant. They were in the seven figures. But the child was partially at fault. The child was about, it was assessed to be about 25% at fault for the accident. Well, let me give you simple math here. If the damages or the compensation the person's owed is, let's say, a million bucks, and that person is deemed to be 25% at fault, they don't get zero. They get $750,000, right? $750,000, 75% of the damages claim, of the compensation. So you need to understand that it is an absolute myth that if you are a little bit at fault, you don't get compensation. That's not true. That's not true. You can have a split in liability, a split in fault. You are still going to be entitled to compensation if, in fact, you have been injured and you suffer the loss that the other side or their insurance company now has to pay. With that, we'll take a short break. Number uh, two and three, those myths about motor vehicle accidents is coming up. But in the meantime, take this number down as we get to a short break, right? Toll free, one 821 to discuss your matter privately with Savan or a member of his, uh, his crew. Disabilityrights.ca is the website and help at 
disabilityrights.ca to reach out through email. We'll continue more here with the Disability Law Show in a moment. Yeah, you bet. We're back with more of the Disability Law Show to get you into your weekend. You can always uh, reach out to Savan and his very capable team anytime you would like. It'll probably be a situation where you'll want to make that phone call, so uh, go ahead and do that. Toll free, of course, one 855 821-5900. The email is help at disabilityrights.ca. And you want to ask any other questions, uh, you can do so at mydisabilityquestions.com. It's free and anonymous. We were getting into our three myths of motor vehicle accidents. Number one is done. Number two is this. Savannah, my injuries are not permanent. Then I have a minor claim and cannot, cannot pursue compensation. True or false? This is false. Uh, and let me explain. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Ontario, we have a certain um, law that says that in order to get pain and suffering, in order to get certain types of damages in a car accident, you have to have suffered a serious and permanent impairment, either of a physical or a psychological kind or, or a combination. Uh, and that's just, that's the way it is. And, you know, it was put there by the government many years ago. Uh, and, and many people believe that because... The doctor is not saying that they have a permanent injury, therefore they're not entitled to compensation. So this is wrong on multiple fronts. Number one, no one, no one can tell you that you don't have a permanent impairment in every instance. Look, if somebody's paralyzed from the neck down or there is, you know, a very serious injury like an amputation, clearly I can tell you you're going to be amputated for the rest of your life unless you have a prosthetic. So obviously that's clear. But some people suffer injuries, whether it's neck pain, back pain, back injuries, neck injuries, concussions, where the doctors simply do not know. They can say, here's my prognosis, but, you know, it's to be reevaluated every six months or 12 months or whatever it is. They may not know. So when we talk about permanency, we're not talking about somebody that has a crystal ball and can say for certain you are forever permanent. I like to think of it as in the foreseeable future, is your ability to earn income impacted? In the foreseeable future, is your ability to perform the essential tasks of, uh, or not the essential, but you know, your activities of daily living, things that you do day to day, are they mostly impacted because of your injuries, because of your impairments, because of your pains? And the reality is that if, in fact, the answer is correct, it's yes, you are most likely entitled to compensation from the insurance company of the person that hit you the person that caused the accident. So, you know, it's really important to understand that it's not a simple black and white analysis. It's a nuanced analysis. Uh, You need a lawyer, you need a law firm that has experience in these kinds of cases. And of course, we have experience. We've been doing this for many, many years. Some of our lawyers, including myself, worked for insurance companies in the past. I defended these kinds of claims, right? So I was on the receiving end of these kinds of, of, uh, uh, you know, legal issues that were debated. So I can tell you pretty quickly when we talk on the phone uh, whether or not I think that you are entitled to compensation. And, and that applies to, to, you know, to pain, pain and suffering. If you suffered an income loss, like if you are unable to work or have difficulty earning the same income that you did before the accident, you are going to be entitled to compensation. I'm telling you that right now. Now, that applies to tort. That's the claim against the driver that hits you. Don't forget that whether or not uh, the, the injuries are permanent or not, or whether or not it's your fault, you're still entitled to accident benefits. These are benefits that we talked about in the last segment, John, income replacement benefits, medical rehabilitation benefits, attendant care, things like that. Those kinds of benefits you're going to be entitled to if you are injured to any degree 
it just it depends on which category um, you know in terms of severity of your injuries you fall into but my point is that there's a lot of information out there and you need to get the right information that's applicable to you and every case is somewhat different so that's why John I tell people give me a call email me speak to a member of my team again for free you'll get the information you need and at that point you make a decision do you want to pursue it or do you not if you don't want to pursue it, fine. If you do want to pursue it, we can tell you how to pursue it, and then we can talk to you about how that works, what to expect, all that kind of stuff. But at least get the information you need, because this is a myth, you know, that if your injuries are not permanent or no doctor says that they're permanent, then suddenly you have no claim for compensation. It's just yeah. not true. Three myths of motor vehicle accidents. Number three, right now, Savannah, I can only get compensation for the income I am earning at the time of the accident. True or false? Absolutely false, false. Yeah. 100%. I have had many claims where a person was awarded and we negotiated uh, settlements, large settlements, where the insurance company accounted in the settlement for the fact that my client was up for a promotion and never got it because of their injuries, that my client was taking courses to improve their skill set and were going to apply for a higher up position, or situations where my client was going to do overtime work and we had proof of that and my client now wasn't able to because of the, uh, the injuries. Or what about students who were studying to be, I don't know, uh, a doctor, an engineer, a plumber, an electrician, a teacher, whatever, and because of the accident, their plans have been derailed. But they weren't earning anything, or maybe they were earning a little bit of money working on the side, maybe bartending at the time of the accident. But what about the money they were supposed to be making when they finished their degree? So you can account for that. Remember. Our system of tort, this is the system where you get compensation for your losses in Ontario, operates on the idea that if you can show, if you can prove that you were uh, going to receive certain compensation or that there was a good chance that in fact you were able to earn additional monies down the road, and again, this is not beyond a reasonable doubt, this is simply on a, on a balance of probabilities, right? This is, is it more likely than not? Can you show that it's common sense that in fact, by looking at all the documentation information, that in fact you were up for either that promotion or doing something that was going to earn you more money? If you can show that, you're going to be entitled to that. And we can get the insurance company to pay you uh, for that. So, no, it's not just about the money that you're earning during the time of the accident. Uh, and by the way, I had another case, John. Sorry, I know we have a lot of emails, but I had a case where I had a, a guy who was a salesperson. And so, you know, with salespeople, it's commission-based, the compensation. And so uh, for five years leading up to the year before the accident, that person was earning around $100,000. The year of the accident or the year just before the accident, their income dropped because of family issues at home. They were earning $60,000. Can you imagine if the insurance company came and said that the income loss they're going to pay my client was only based on that one year where they earned $60,000? It makes no sense, right? So eventually the insurance company ended up paying on the basis of the $100,000 a year. So again, you need a lawyer that understands these nuances. The insurance company is going to want to pay you as little as possible, if not yeah. nothing. You need to be able to know who to hire, who knows their stuff, who knows which experts to hire, to go after the insurance company for all the money that you are owed. That's Savannah and his team. Guys, I keep telling you, make that phone call, one 821 5900 You might not have to jump in right away, but at least make that phone call, have a conversation, and uh, get the information you should have anyway. Okay, Marsha, first, uh, first email says, Guys, hello. Thank you for selecting my email to be read on today's show. I was in an accident about five months ago where I was rear-ended while driving 
which pushed me into a car beside me. I suffered a torn shoulder muscle, cracked sternum from the airbag, concussion, and injuries to both my knees. I'm in my 40s, and I'm concerned with my uh, future as it's been five months, and I don't see a huge improvement in my concussion and shoulder, and I'm worried what this means for my future. This is also a concern as the insurer has said I am partially at fault for the second accident and that I did something wrong. Is there anything I can do here? Will the assessment of fault impact my award? Please help. Wow. M- yeah, Marsha, l- let me um, ease your concerns here. Number one, uh, you are not at fault here. I don't know what the insurance company is talking about. I'd like to get more information, but based on what you said, how you've described the accident, you've been pushed into the car beside you by being rear-ended, you are not going to be found to be at fault here unless there is some key information that I am missing. So that's number one. Number two, I would be concerned as well in terms of the fact that you suffered those kinds of injuries. Look, if you suffered a torn shoulder muscle, cracked sternum, concussion, I mean, those are serious injuries. You would fall into what's called the non-catastrophic category. So you're not catastrophic, thank God, but it's not minor either. And so from an accident benefits standpoint, meaning the benefits you get from your own automobile insurer, you're going to be entitled to income replacement benefits. You're going to be entitled to medical and rehabilitation benefits of up to $65,000. You're going to be entitled to a variety of benefits, but you also have a claim against the driver that hit you, that rear-ended you. Their insurance company is going to have to be paying you here for any shortfalls and income loss in the future, Uh, other kinds of future care that you may need, especially if your injuries do not get much better and you need ongoing treatments going forward. I mean, this is significant. So I can tell you right now, you have a claim both for accident benefits as well as for tort. Now, John, one of the things that I want to highlight here is how the insurance company is trying to, let's say, gaslight Marsha. And I see this a lot, unfortunately. Insurance companies use that power imbalance, the perceived power imbalance between them and the individual who has no expertise usually in insurance matters to sort of make the person scared, to make the person think that they're not owed anything. In fact, people call me sometimes telling me, even though they're the ones that are injured, that now they're being re-victimized by the insurance company who's asking them aggressive questions, who's questioning their stories, who's telling them, you know, you may have to pay this, you may have to pay that, you may have this deductible or that. You know, people, this is why I'm saying you need to get legal advice. And when I'm telling you that it's free, when I'm telling you that it doesn't cost anything to reach to any one of us on my team, myself included, we'll talk for free for as long as it takes so that you are at ease, so that you have all the information you, you know that you need. And, and John, one of the things that I find a lot with people is that when I finish the conversation with them, not only are they empowered because they now know the law as it applies to their situation, right. you can feel that you know kind of sense of relief and being emboldened and knowing that they can go toe-to-toe with the insurance company. Uh, again, I'm not suggesting people simply take what I say and go after the insurance company. I'm simply telling you that there are many options out there on how to force the insurance company to pay you what you're owed. And don't believe anything that the insurance company is just telling you immediately, especially if it's a negative thing, right? Don't believe. If they tell you, for example, you're not entitled to compensation, don't believe them without checking it out. Why would you believe them? I got a lot of people calling me about house insurance claims, travel insurance claims. We've helped many, many people get money from insurance companies when at the outset the insurance company said, you're getting not a dime from us. Well, if that's the case, how was I able to extract six figures and even seven figures from these insurance companies? Because I know what I'm doing. And the insurance company can't pull anything over my eyes. So you need someone like that, like myself, like my team on your side. 
And, and, and you know, one of the things, the last things I'll say, John, because I know we're ending uh, the show right now, uh, you know, we're the, at the end of the show. Uh, if you know someone in this predicament, someone who needs this information, needs this help, please put them in touch with us. Please do them that favor. Make sure that they're protected. Make sure they have the information they need. That's a good way to tee up the end for sure and to reach out, as Savan said. Don't hesitate to do that. It's just a chat, right? one 855 821-5900. It is help at disabilityrights.ca. You can also use the free access to mydisabilityquestions.com. You can type your questions there. They will get answered by one of Savant's team. And we'll let you go for the weekend now. Join us next time right here on the Disability Law Show.